Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the Pulp Hockey Podcast. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Uh, get it on Stitcher. Get it on iTunes. Get it on any podcatcher that you have. And it's another glorious week to talk about the NHL playoffs and, and much more. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, from TSN, the leading color analyst, over 400 goals in the NHL, 18 years in the NHL, Ray Ferraro. What's up, Ray? How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm uh, just packing uh, to get ready to go to Paris tomorrow for the World Hockey Championships, and the first, uh, uh, our group is in Paris, where Canada is, and uh, the other group is in Cologne, uh, in Germany, and then uh, the the quarter semis and finals are in uh, are in Cologne. So, trying to pack and be organized, and my wife is getting ready. She's going on a trip. Our ten year old has uh, made this soccer team. He's going to Italy for <laughs> two weeks, which is crazy, and. Uh, um, so she's going to Italy. So she's got two suitcases there. Yeah. I got mine over here going to Paris. Um, the Ferraro's European vacation, oh, it, but it's, it's one, we're one step ahead of Chevy Chase. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's stuff like Riley came down today, the 10 year, our 10 year old. Mm-hmm. So he came down to go to school today and he's got on like his, like the sweats and a, and a hoodie that were in the suitcase that is going <laughs> going on his trip. He goes, yeah, but I like these ones. Oh. Yeah, whatever. We'll wash yeah. them later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get Lots, going. Yeah, exactly. Lots of fun. Hey, uh, later on, we're going to have uh, TSN's Darren Dreger on, the TSN insider. And, and many times, Ray, on, on this pod, you've been like, uh, you know, like I'm, you know, I'm not as connected as Dreger or McKenzie. I don't make those kind of phone calls. And it's, these guys have, you know, they're plugged in, man. Man, I would, uh, if, if you're, if you're a curiosity hound, you know, wouldn't you just love to see what their contact list looks right? like? Right, yeah. Because, you know, the guys that I have connection to are all guys my age that I played with or against and mm-hmm. now moving up in management. And, you know, we're all retired, of course. But, you know, I've had, you know, I've had contact with them for 30 years. It's not like it's something new that's cultivated and um, that, cause that's not what I do, but that's what these guys do. And they're always, they've always got to think uh, a little bit in the left lane, you know, like you're, you know, most of us are just driving along in the right lane and doing our job and they have to look ahead and see how can they, how can they find the information before it becomes mm-hmm. mainstream before everybody knows about it. And, and that's um, that. It's a pretty intensive job that they have. That's why when 
when those guys, uh, you know, at about 8 o'clock on July 1st Eastern time, yeah. when they unplug, <laughs> you, you have a tough time getting to them. Yeah. It's kind of what I do in my sport. Like, uh, I cover – I don't do the – I'm a little bit of a beat reporter going to the races and talking to the guys after the races about what happened. But a big part of my job is, hey, this rider is hurt. This guy's signing with this guy. This guy's filling in over here. And you're working the phones, man. And sometimes you're wrong. And sometimes you get a lot of heat for things you put out there early. And when, and when they're proven right – you know, you feel a bit vindicated. You want to call that guy back that, that cursed you out from that team, but you don't, but you want to. Um, you know, but, you don't, but you want to. Yeah, you want to. You want to call him back yeah. and be like, oh, really? How about all that stuff that you were saying? That it all came true. Thank you. So, anyways. Right, yeah, but the, the thing is then you're just punching the yep. wind. Yep, exactly. Yeah. You know, the, and so for Dregs and these guys, the, I've watched them, and, and actually it's, it's really quite interesting to watch uh, him and and uh, Bob and Pierre LeBron mm-hmm. when we're doing um, like say trade trade deadline or, trade yeah. day yeah. or free agent day about how once they get something mm-hmm. how how they go about confirming it yeah and and to them they won't they don't get into a rumor or anything like that. Or a speculative report. They'll yep. say, they'll say to James because Duffy will say, "Hey, what about this?" And they'll say, "No, we don't have that yet." Yeah. Meaning, don't go on the air with that. We're not, we're not comfortable confirming. Right. And it's really pretty cool to watch um, how they do it because for us guys, we just, you know, literally, we by the time we're commenting on something, it's already done. Yeah, I I find the agents in our sport a great source because. They often want to hear things from you down the road, so it's a bit of a give and take. You know, the agents, oh, yeah. will, the agents will be like, what are you hearing about this guy? And I imagine this is, you know, tenfold in hockey. And then you kind of give them some information, and then they, you get some from them. And you know what I mean? It's a little bit of a... Well, well yeah, yeah, but, the, but the, what I've realized, even in the, in the amount that I talk to them, mm-hmm. is that you've got to be careful when they're just selling you. Yeah. So that you can yep. get their information out about sure. their client. Yep, absolutely. And then you go, wait a minute, that's not. I think that that's not. That's the point where you come down to a, to a relationship, and you're like, this guy's pretty square. You know what I mean? He's yeah, pretty correct. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. he's a straight shooter. All right, yeah, let's, and there's and there's other guys you go, <laughs> yeah. not a chance. Oh yeah, there's some guys, especially in our sport that's not even regulated or anything. There are some agents and clowns. You're just like you're an idiot, and I can't believe anything you say. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, but thanks for that anyway. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. Well, so we're gonna get Drager on a little bit. Uh, we'll cover up some got some questions for you, Ray. A real interesting one on e- via email that I can't wait to get to from from our listeners. And uh, the, we'll touch on the draft lottery a little bit. But first of all, let's recap the playoffs so far. Uh, I thought you were a little bit nutty, Ray, when you said pens and five last week over the caps. Um, yeah. But you, I mean, you are the expert. Now, look, you don't know what's going to happen, but it's 2 nothing, Pittsburgh in Washington. They took the first two games. Holtby hasn't played that well. You might be on to something, Ray. Well, I, I, I think I am in that only in just after watching them play, uh, I, I really became concerned with their team speed and their ability to, you know, to, mm-hmm. to control the pace of play. And, and quite frankly, I don't think they can. Mm-hmm. And so as fast as Toronto was going in the game, um, I think Pittsburgh does the same thing. I just think, you know, Pittsburgh's more experienced and they got Crosby and Malkin and uh, among many others, Phil Kessel's <laughs> yeah. on their third bloody line. I mean, it's, it's right. an incredibly deep team. And so I think they're, you know, I, they're better than Toronto, but Washington still has the same problems. And 
the way the way I equated it and the way I you know I think of it is if you cut the ice in quarters, mm-hmm. the Capitals have to keep the play in one quarter of the ice, and that's when they're most effective. When the puck goes from one quarter to the other quarter, so mm-hmm. side to side, yep. that becomes a problem. And then when it goes side to side and then up into the and third down. quarter, yeah. now they've really got problems. And so Pittsburgh's able to do that, and by spreading them out, they you know they don't necessarily get 45 shots a game, but they generate really high-quality chances. And, you know, I mean... A, you know whether hope he's been good or not, and and he hasn't. Um, you get a steady diet of of man advantage breaks or shots from twenty feet out, and and these guys are going to beat you. And Hopey hasn't been great. Like they need him to be. And he's yeah. hasn't you know what's funny is the you know the two of the three Vezina Trophy finalists are Sergei Bobrovsky and and Braden Hopey, and they were unbelievable in the regular season, and neither of them have been very good in the playoffs. Bobrovsky, yep. of course, is yep. out with Columbus, and Holtby's not, not been great. I mean, he was the, in my opinion, he was the second-best goalie um, in the series against Toronto. Right. Uh, Ducks-Oilers, so Oilers jump out 2 nothing lead. Good games, too, by the way, right? I, I haven't watched much of Preds-Blues. I watched some of Sens-Rangers, but I've watched the Ducks-Oilers, uh, all of them. Um, very great, very entertaining series. It is. Um, w- one thing that started to happen here in, in all the series, well, not all the series, the Nashville-St. Louis series uh, and Edmonton-Anaheim in particular, uh, they've got to be careful here as, as the way the league views how they want these series to be officiated because it's slowly degenerating into a rodeo. And, you know, there there is something to battling through playoffs, and and I get all that. Mm -hmm. But you've got to be careful here where it's not even part of the game. I mean, if if it is part of the game, then do us all a favor, and right before the opening faceoff, take the rule book to center ice and burn it. (laughs) So everybody knows that you're not going to call anything. Because it's it's nonsense what the players can get away with. Yep. And the guys are smart and adaptable. Mm-hmm. And I use this example a lot. When, when I started in, you know, in the NHL, I was in the old Adams division, and we played Quebec. And Peter mm-hmm. Stastny, Hall of Fame player, was, was their best player. And yep. every once in a while, <laughs> through bad luck, I would end up on the ice against him. <laughs> and so when we're in our zone, I mean, I, I couldn't handle him. He was too big and too strong. And so I figured out that, if I have my hand on his stick while he's trying to play, that's probably going to be a lot harder. Yes. Three hands don't work as well as two. <laughs> right. And so I'd grab his stick, and I'd skate right tight to him, grab his stick, and, and I'd hold it until the ref would yell, let it go. And then I'd let it go, and then three strides later, I'd try and grab it again. Grab it again, right. Because they never called it. Yeah. Well, as soon as I got called on it, I'm like, okay, wait a minute, I've got to figure out something else here. So these guys aren't stupid. Yep. They knock somebody over in the corner. Now they land on top of them, and they know that if I just don't get if I do, off, yeah, them, if I just lay here, <laughs> I'm not getting a penalty. <laughs> so they just lay there, like that Steen and Subban thing the other night. Subban was on top of them for ten seconds, right? And then Steen rodeoed his way back out of it. And I think eventually they got a minor penalty each. Mm-hmm. But 
it was it was almost like okay they've shot three people now we'll tell them to stop <laughs> exactly yeah and so that's the only thing that I would say that I, I'm I, I could pick at yep. with the play mm-hmm. because the games are are exciting uh, for the most part they've been physical they've been intense like you'd expect in yep. the playoffs. Um, there's been, I think there's been more swings this year. It seems feels like, like it. anyway. Yeah, yeah. A, a team with a two nothing lead is is nowhere in the clear. Yep. Hell, last night, you know, the last day of April, because this is you know May first as we're taping. But the Oilers are down three nothing, and then yeah. then it's three three. The last year before the lockout in '04, I want to say in the finals there were no lead changes. Yeah. Yeah. If you scored the first goal, yep. you won. Yeah, that's like the that's Tampa, a, that's Tampa brutal. Calgary. Yeah, Tampa Calgary series, right? Yeah, that's yeah. brutal. Right, and so this is this adds so much to it. And now, after the Oilers go home and they they lay an egg, now you know the the series becomes in jeopardy again. And you know, I I picked Anaheim in six, and I, I don't really know if I feel very confident about that. Mm-hmm. Certainly, they're trailing, and they got to win again on the road. Um, you know, to to level the series, but I there's something about the way Edmonton makes people uncomfortable that I I I just wonder that if Anaheim's got enough to to hold them off. Well, they're playing them to a draw or winning in some aspects, and then you have that McDavid pulling out that goal yesterday, or somebody you know he can do that at any time or whatever, and so that almost tips the scale for me. Like Anaheim seems like they have to work so hard for a goal. You know, they're grinding, they're leaning on you, they're just rolling these lines. And then I think the one guy is McDavid that can break the game at any time. Oh, it's, uh, you know, I mean, I mean he's, a, he's such a, a, such an incredible player and, and such a dangerous player that you, you have to wonder, you know, how, how can you keep him under wraps for an entire series? Yeah. And the answer is you can't. He's going to break free a couple of times here or there. So, while Anaheim doesn't have that, they have, you know, they have been able to, for large portions of the game, control control a lot of the play. Where, you know, they, I would say, until last night, the, the first two games, Cam Talbot was the best player in the series. He was outstanding, mm-hmm. and you know, if, yeah, if they can keep right. crowding him, keep getting quality chances, I think right. that's where they're. That's where their strength is, mm-hmm. but the, the the question becomes: Can they control the puck enough that Edmonton can't get out on the rush and and really make themselves dangerous? Because once they get out there, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, yeah. I mean, that if they're in a running race, yeah. the, the Oilers are winning every time. It seems like Ray, and you would know this more than I would, but it seems like they know that, and they're doing stretch passes. They're trying to get the game going from deep in their end out. You know, they seem like yeah, they... but I, I see. I think that's where you know. Yes, you want to tr- you want to stretch them out, mm-hmm. uh, but sometimes you can stretch them out with a couple of little passes. Okay, yeah. Uh, before making the long stretch one, and right. it, you know, I I do think at times it's almost like uh, you know a football team that that tries to throw a forty yard pass all the time. Right. When, you know, you can make the same thing happen with with seven six yard passes right. and. You know, I, I think the Oilers at, at times get a little ahead of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but, hell, I, I love watching how exciting they can be. Man, the Ducks are so greasy to me. I don't know what it is. I watch a fair amount of Ducks games because I'm on the West yeah. Coast here. And, you know, they're just so greasy of a team. I, it's fine. I'm not – they're just – I don't know, man. <laughs> well, it's just yeah. – I mean, for years, the Oakland Raiders were nothing that you wanted to hang around with, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were good. I mean, when just, they were good, not when they turned yeah. into this – 
whatever they are. Yeah. But, you know, like they were dirty and they had, you know, yeah. players that were edgy, um, edgy, Let's well, beyond it. edgy, just yeah. dirty. <laughs> right. And, and for me, that was an impossible team to cheer for. Um, see, I like them. They're my favorite team. So, but of course they are. Yeah. I'm not surprised. <laughs> it goes right along with everything else, right? Um, yeah. And they are coming to Vegas. That's going to be so weird. I don't know if I'll still be living here then, but they are coming to Vegas. Oh, the Raiders? Yeah. Well, that's great. So, you know, like, you know, what, what did they give them? $800 million? I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Like, seriously. Yeah, it's a joke. Um, and then there are a bunch of schools that are closing here in town, and everyone's all upset. And, and I get and, it. And, and I, I know I one it. doesn't equate to the other. Yeah. But, you know, we're, you know, like... <laughs> The you know the hotel room tax and all that yeah, that's yeah. helping pay for this. Yeah. I guess they couldn't find another three cents per room <laughs> for exactly. for schools. Yeah, right. I, I'm with you. Um, all right, Sands Rangers sends up two nothing. Um, give me a on a scale of one to ten. Surprise at this. Um, only a little. I, okay. You, you know, and the reason being is, uh, I think I know the Senators really well yep. because I've, I did so many of their games. I did 25 games or so this year. And, um, when every time it looks like the, the Senators are cooked, they somehow find a way. Like, yeah. I don't know what the chances are that Jean-Gabriel Pajot was going to score four <laughs> goals in a game, <laughs> right. but I'm guessing not very. You know, like the mm-hmm. chances weren't were not very no, high. No, no. And so here they are. Pajot gets four, and you're you're like, oh, well, I never even really thought that was an option. <laughs> you're like, I'm with you. I'm like, huh? What? And and so my my point being that all the time, yeah, they are they have been able to to find their way into into a into a position where you go, oh, mm. well, maybe they could win. Yeah. And that's that's kind of where where they're at again. I mean, they're like Craig Anderson's an unorthodox goalie. Yeah. Um, but I think he's I I think he's a good goalie. You know, he doesn't he doesn't always look like you know he's he's got everything under control. Yep. But he stops the puck, and he has been their most valuable player next to Carlson all season. He's he's just been yep. he's been terrific, and so now. Do they have enough to to win? Well, why not? Well, yeah, you know, like wh- why not? They can win for sure. They can win. Um, I think the Rangers have another gear. We'll mm-hmm. see if they can find it. But um, this is this to me was going to be a close, low scoring series. So the 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 goals the other day took me a little bit by uh, yeah. by surprise for sure. And 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 the Rangers had some glorious chances to end it in in overtime. Oh. Oh, they did, yeah, but yeah. I mean, you still got to, you know, you could go back to the, to the start where, you know, Henrik Lundqvist was, you know, was made some really terrific saves. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden it just kind of evaporated for him. He couldn't stop anything. And yeah. again, the chances were so good that you know, they're going to go in. You know, these guys can, whether you think they're top notch scorers or not, yeah. you know, whether people believe that or not, yep. they're, they're NHL players and you give them a chance from 25 feet out. And I, we've, we've made fun of them on this show before. Um, 
But Guy Boucher is just a good coach. I've always believed that. Going back to Tampa, you know, there's the infamous video of nobody crossing uh, center uh, against the right. Flyers. I mean, that, was, but, that was something that he's going to have to go a long time yeah. before that gets buried. But he's a good coach. I think he's a he, Oh, he, he is a good coach. He is a, um, he is a Ken Hitchcock or whatever, just a guy that can go into it. You know, you know what he's doing. Now, I don't know if you saw his quote because uh, after Pajo uh, scored the four goals, mm-hmm. Um, Alain Vigneault said, yeah, we're going to have to check their checkers. Okay. And so Boucher said, and he laughed, right? Yeah. And uh, Boucher said, uh, yeah, we're going to have to check his checkers with our checkers, and then it won't be a game of chess. It'll be a <laughs> game of checkers. checkers. And I thought, like, I like when the thing becomes, yeah. like when the guys go, okay, this right. is a little silly. Yep. I, I just kind of like that, and they come up with something like that. To me, that's, I, I don't know, uh, I thought it was really good. Not, nothing beat the uh, the quotes from the Bruins, Canucks, pumping my tires. <laughs> Who's pumping my tires? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that one, because that had an edge to yep, it. This, yep. this had no edge. No, yeah. Um, all right, uh, Predators, Blues. Uh, Preds up 2-1 so far, and i got to admit, I haven't seen a lot of this series, just highlights. Oh, you should. Oh, okay, uh, let me tune into you it. Sh- yeah. You should invest some time in it because it's uh, it's fast and it's physical. It's It's been really good stuff. Uh, I picked the Preds um, before the series, uh, basically because I watched them beat Chicago the two games. I picked them in seven, and and really they've they've proven to be a – a really deep, uh, really good team. Now they had a just a horrific injury the other day when uh, um, when Kevin Fiala crashed yeah. into the boards and broke his femur. Uh, just oh. a terrible injury. Feel rotten for the kid. He's 20 years old, and yep. that's a that's a long ways back for 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 him, mm-hmm. you know. And um, so they have depth, they have size, they have speed, they have skill, and they've got a goaltender playing very well. I. I think they're going to be um, they're going to be a tough out this year. I mean, I given the teams that are left, mm-hmm. I could see the Predators being in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, yep. And by the way, and since we cover the Stanley Cup final uh, for our Sports Center stuff, I'm all in favor <laughs> of the Predators and us spending five days in Nashville. Yeah, um, is Nashville where Elvis is? No, that's Memphis. That's Memphis. And I don't Nashville. know if I've ever been to Nashville. You have not been. I don't to think I've been to Nashville. Uh, you would know. Okay. If you had yeah, okay. go. <laughs> right. I'm telling you, go. It is awesome. If, if they're in it, the cup final, can I go and hang out with you there in Nashville? Well, you pay your ticket, sure, and find a place to stay. <laughs> sure, yeah, you can do that. <laughs> you sound thrilled. <laughs> yeah, it'd be fabulous. Um, all right, hey, let's uh, let's talk a little bit of the lottery and um, and then get Darren Drager on here. So, And we touch on this in our Drager conversation, but uh, – Jersey jumps it, and uh, Philly goes from 19th overall to second. Dallas gets third pick. Poor Canucks, poor Avalanche, man. Um, but that's what it is. It is what it is, and I don't mind it, and we'll, we'll talk to Darren about it. But um, a little bit of a shocking, shocking development. It is. Uh, I think if we look at the, you know, we, we look at the rankings, and, okay, so, you know, Colorado has the best chance. Uh, Vancouver has second. But the chances were like 18%. That means 82% they're not going to be there. Yeah. But for the first few lotteries, things have kind of played out in a um, kind of a predictable way, if you will, like in, in relation to the way the teams finished. And, you know, Philly going 13-2 to two and Jersey going, what did they go, 9-1. to one. Yeah. I mean, those are, are just gigantic leaps yeah. that I'm sure those teams didn't even – 
Yeah. They don't even dream of thinking about. Yeah. And if you, you know, now what has to happen, so just think of this from a scouting perspective. So Philly has been concentrating on players that might be in the, you know, 8 to 15 range. And now they got to go back and look at all their reports and really dig deep on these guys that are in the top three. Because the guys 8 to 15, they're no longer relevant to Philadelphia. They're not going to yep. be there. Yeah, yeah. Like, Philly's not going to be there. Yep. So this is a, you know, I mean, that's just a, a little bit different way of looking at, at the way the lottery can play out. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. Hey, my buddy from Vancouver texted me, and uh, he's a Canucks guy. He must be pumped. He said he, he, he was pumped for the fact that he was sitting lower bowl for really good prices at the end of last year. Uh, from StubHub and stuff, so he didn't right. mind the Canucks sliding that much. But um, he said everyone is is just very angry. They're not taking this loss, this lottery loss, well. No, which tells me that they didn't really understand it. Like, you know, they had a, I think, a twelve percent chance. Mm-hmm. And so did they? Did they really think that that meant they were in? I don't know. I felt yeah. I felt strangely confident. The least I not. And not to put you on the spot here, Ray, but did the odds change from last year to this year? I thought last year they did a remake. No. It was the same, no. right? Yeah. And so when you think of it, you know, just think of how that could have gone wrong last mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Well, I don't and, want to. I don't want to. No. You know, and I mean, so I, I think it works out. You've got a 35% chance of finishing in the top two and something like that. So um, it, it seemed it was either Matthews or Line. Mm-hmm. And you could breathe with either one of those. Yep, yep. But we've talked about this before, Steve. Just picture the the Maple Leafs rebuild mm-hmm. without Austin Matthews in it. No. And they're like, it doesn't even look the same. No. It's not, like, it's not even close. No, I mean, uh, um, yeah, no. Uh, Pooey Arvey was down in the minors for most of the year. And, and I still think he's going to be yeah, he's going to be really good. But he's just not Line A or Matthews, you know. Just uh, you know what? I he's not Matthews, but I think oh, in time okay. Puya Yarvi will be okay. closer to Line A than people would think today. All right. Can you imagine the Oilers then if, they, if that you know pulls into a situation like that? That's going to be great for them. Um, well, it, it is, and and it's funny how you know out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, yeah. You know, Puya Yarvi might as well be on the moon. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, you got a point. You know, the Oilers are all focused in on what they have here, and and as they should be, and and how well it's going. And oh, by the way, we got that other guy playing in Bakersfield, and yeah, what's his name again? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, Pooley yeah. Harvey, right? Yeah, he's a yeah. center, and just wait, um, he's a center, right? Uh he played the wing. Yeah, okay, because he played on the wing with uh, with Sebastian Ajo, and uh, who's in Carolina had a great rookie year, and uh, with Lion A. Okay. And uh, so you can imagine what they did at the World Junior. Yeah, that was great. Um, all right, let's get to uh, Darren Dreger, your co-worker at TSN, and uh, and hear what he's got to say. Okay, everybody, thanks for listening. As promised, uh, from TSN, TSN Insider, uh, Darren Dreger. What's up, Darren? How are you, man? Thank you for coming on the show. My pleasure. I'm doing well. Geez, you guys had to dip deep into the pool to uh, come up with me, but I'm... Uh, I- have to be a part of it. Well, I think we were going to get you on sooner, but then you made a snarky comment about podcasting, <laughs> and Ray just said that was it. You were banned yeah. for a while. I'm I'm developing my own podcast to critique other TSN related <laughs> podcasts. And and how's that go? That that can't be a pretty sight. No, it's not. I, there's not a lot of people wanting to jump on board at this stage. 
Well, we were. Now, I got to tell right off the bat, you know, so Dregs is connected. He's, you know, he's always talking to mm-hmm. the, the general managers and he's putting stuff together, trades and coaches and all this stuff. But he is also a world class <laughs> stir the pot guy. <laughs> so I'm going to, this is one of Darren and Dregs, you can stop me if I'm wrong here, but this is one of Dregs' all time favorites. If you leave your phone unlocked, Dregs will randomly pick a name out of your phone and send a text that says, can you call me immediately? Now, you might not have talked to this person for four years. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, and you get a random, hey, what's up? Is everything okay? And, I'm, and you're like, well, what's going on? And you know, right away, bloody Drager. Well, keeps everybody on their toes, as John Ferguson used to say, I can neither confirm nor deny that that happens on a regular basis. The best is if you find some uh, some uh, executive coach or GM and just do it that way, you know, some, some somebody in the game and just do it that way. That's good. Oh, well, no, it's in our studio, if you leave your phone open yeah. Yeah. or unlocked or your computer open yeah. and draggers around, that is nothing but problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I left my I left my laptop open about two years ago in a press box, and someone tweeted out something that was not that cool. And I forever, no. I forever close my lid whenever I get up. I'm just like, yeah, I, there's no chance I'm leaving this open. So. No, that's crossing the line. When you're going into the public domain, you're crossing the line. <laughs> Even for Drake's. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Imagine that. So Drake's, we got a whole bunch of stuff that's popped up here. Let's start with the. Uh, the most current was the lottery. And it's funny, like last year in Vancouver, nobody cared. Yeah. Because they, if you didn't win the lottery, it's like, oh, wherever you're going to go, you don't have Matthews anyway. This year, everybody's talking about how unfair it is and, you know, and, and it, it's just not the right system. I actually think the system kind of prevents the, the full-out embarrassment of a couple of years ago where Buffalo just tried to lose. What, what's your sense when you talk yeah. to the managers about the way that the lottery sets up? Well, look, you know, when you, when you talk to managers like Ray Shiro of the New Jersey Devils, the system works beautifully, perfectly. <laughs> Wouldn't change a thing. Um, you know, if you want to talk to Jim Benning and the Vancouver Canucks, who, you know, for the second straight year dropped out of the top three, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure that, you know, they can fabricate a, a number of different options that would better their chances. Uh, I think it, it, it absolutely does, Ray, what you said, and that's the design of it, to make sure that the games and the teams have to stay as competitive as they can. Somebody's got to finish 30th. That's just the reality of, of the league. And, you know, after next season, there'll be Team 31. Um, but yeah, from a league perspective, you have to do everything you can to encourage competitive balance. And so uh, the tanking theory has is, is never sat well with me, uh, primarily because of this system. But, you know, the system didn't work in terms of that until this year. And, and I mm-hmm. think for the most part, this is the best example that we've seen in a long, long time, you know, to counterattack tanking. You know, there's no guarantee, you, you know, Philadelphia jumped uh, to second, you know, from what, 13th worst odds? I mean, that, yeah. that's a pretty remarkable turnaround for Ron Hextall and the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, even though I think I kind of understand how the lottery works, I was almost taken aback when, you know, the first two picks went in order, and then yeah. I think Winnipeg came next, and they mentioned, well, that moves Philadelphia into the top three. Yeah. I was, I was like, whoa, how does that happen? They just got dropped, you know, like, yeah. 
you know, like because I think of it, oh, there's still a whole bunch of ping pong balls in there, but it's not yeah. that, is it? It's it's all it's all odd based, correct? It's all odd based, yeah. And and uh, I, I wish I could explain it in detail. I I, I really can't either. Um, but it is odd based, and you know, Philadelphia, as they said, jumps to second, they had like an 8.5% chance of making a significant move from the 13th worst odds. Dallas moves, uh, moves from eight to third. You know, their odds weren't very good. And then you measure that, you know, against Colorado, who had an abysmal year. I mean, it couldn't have gone much worse, could it, for the Colorado Avalanche yeah. this season? No, uh, and, dreadful. you know, dreadful. And, and, you know, Joe Sackick and that group are, you know, they're on their knees praying for that first pick overall, you know, top two, top three, and they slide into fourth. So it's all lot based and, uh, yeah, unfortunately for a few teams, didn't go their way. Yeah, you really got a feel for 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 these guys again, like Tim Murray. You know, shipping any goaltender off that would make a save, and you know, not so much. But but, but a team like Colorado that you know has some good stars and just had a terrible year, and by all um, outward signs, didn't tank. You know, they seem to. Yeah. Try. You really got a feel for an organization that drops from one to four. But yeah, yeah you know, it's tough. It really is. But you know, again, go through the run. Uh, of success that the Edmonton Oilers had yeah. first pick overall. It's, in, it, it's inexplicable even to this day to look back historically on on uh, the good luck of, of the Oilers as an organization in this process. It ain't what it is, and I know that's dismissive, but mm-hmm. you know, for the first time in a long time, maybe ever, you know, the, the, the lottery worked in a very curious way, mm-hmm. um, where teams that you were you know expecting and counting on to finish in that top three four spot didn't. Well, I'll tell you, if I'm going to make a bet on next year's lottery winner, it's going to be wherever Taylor Hall plays. (laughs) That was tweet. That might be tweet. Well, maybe not tweet of the year, but it was up there. It was great. Oh, man. He's got to be like, seriously, really? (laughs) On so many levels. Here are the Oilers in the second round. He goes to Jersey. They miss the playoffs. Oh, great. We win the lottery again. (laughs) I I thought Ray Shero missed the boat there. He gave full credit to Catherine Tappan from NBC because she's a New Jersey girl and she was wearing Devil's Red. You know, obviously, he was paying too much attention to KT and should have been paying more attention to Taylor Hall. Yeah, really. Yeah. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, Darren, uh, moving on from the lottery a little bit, I got to ask you, uh, what is going on with Brad Tree living from Calgary? Um, now, we, he's, we all know he's been in the last year of his deal. Uh, Ken King gave an interview a little while ago that said, that's just how we do business. We just do business this way, and it's totally normal, and everybody's cool. Well, it's May 1st today. Uh, the team had a, a nice run, you know, uh, knocked out in the first round. And I don't hear anything. What are you? You're no. the insider. What's going on? Well, I'll tell you, it's a trying situation. That's what's going on. And, uh, you know, I don't know this, but I, I'd like to ask Ken King, when's the last time his contract went into <laughs> uh, the final days? Yeah. I'm going to guess maybe never in Calgary because of his relationship with ownership there in Murray Edwards. But, uh you know, the information that uh, we provided last week was that Brad Living was expected to, to be made a contract offer midweek. It didn't happen midweek, mm-hmm. and there was some dialogue towards the end of last week. And, you know, I, it doesn't sound like it's going very well, to be honest with you. And I, I think that this is a misstep by the Calgary Flames. I really do. If, if Brad Living is allowed to walk, someone's going to snap him up. may not be Buffalo, and mm-hmm. I'm – 
I'm a bit surprised that, you know, the Sabres, you know, aren't more interested in Brad Trilliving, but out of respect to another organization, maybe they're just sitting back and waiting and see how this thing plays out in Calgary before they jump. But, you know, this guy is a workaholic, as uh, most coaches and, and general managers are. I mean, he functions on almost no sleep, and he's tireless in, in terms of, of trying to make things happen, trying to improve his roster, looking at what's going on in his systems in the American League and whatnot. So he's a bright hockey mind, and he's got a great future, whether it's in Calgary or somewhere else. But So is it a case, I mean, you know, Brian Burke is there, of course, as the president. It, it yeah. seems like there is there are way too many fingers in what's going on. And yeah. It seems unfathomable to me that that this is, you know, kind of simmered along here. That first of all, no general manager ever seems to get into the last year of yeah. his contract. They either re-up him or or they yeah. fire him. You know, because how can you let how could you let your general manager deal with your um, uh, trade deadline, deal with free agency, and then his contract ends July first? Like right. it makes no sense. It doesn't, and this year is unique again with the expansion draft, you know, looming and and all the work that that has to get done. Now, I guess in theory, Brian Burke could just slide into that office and and manage all of that, regardless of what happens with Tree Living or not. But it's uh, it, it's a tough one, uh, you know. Ken King takes great pride uh, in in being you know the overseer, I guess, of the business and and uh, to some degree hockey operations. But that's a tough environment, or so I'm told, uh, you know, by, by those who worked in Calgary before Brad Trilliving and before Brian Burke. You know, the ownership there has a great expectation and puts pressure on King. King puts pressure on his general manager, and then the general manager puts pressure on the coach. I get that, but in this case, you know, they've added that layer of, of Brian Burke, and uh, I think Burke and Trilliving work well together, but there have been times, I think, where, you know, it's uh, it's been somewhat troublesome above Burke. Oh, so it's not so much a Brian Burke thing. If, if Maybe if he had his way, Drager, from what you hear, Tree Living would get a deal, but it's it's other things. Well, I'm not saying that because okay. I don't know that to be to be to be a hundred percent accurate. But uh, I know that at least I was told last week it wasn't Brian who was negotiating uh, the the term uh, or the extension oh, specific okay. to Tree Living. It is Ken King. So any issue that Brad Tree Living is having in this negotiation, based on the information I was provided last week, is uh, directly coming from King. Well, uh, I'm going to make a general statement and. Agree or disagree, Dregs, but um, it seems as more layers have been added to management over the last half dozen years, this should allow people to do their own job and then hire somebody and let him do his job who hires somebody who does his job. But it seems to be more and more like a spider's web, the Mm -hmm. more people that they they hire. It's in several teams you could go across. I mean, the... Mm -hmm. The poster child is Florida, for right. And but would that would that seem to be fair that the more people yeah. added, it seems to be less clear and more muddy. A hundred percent. And Florida is the classic example. And um, you know, ownership in, in Florida a few months back, you know, went back to Dale Talon after kicking him upstairs. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, he got a demotion, which they. Uh, they masked as a promotion because they, they moved him higher up the food chain, but out of hockey operation, which was a ridiculous uh, mistake by, by the Panthers organization. And then they come back a few months ago and, and basically beg him to 
assume control one more time of hockey ops while Tom Rowe was doing what he needed to do, focusing on the bench of the Panthers. And there was outrage, you know, from some of the local media there, the supporters of ownership in Florida. You know, nothing has changed. Dale hasn't, you know, taken more on a role. Yes, he did. He absolutely <laughs> did. And, you know, they cleaned it up, you know, what, a week or two weeks ago, whatever it was, yeah. by finally announcing that he is the general manager. Um, they've reassigned Tom Rowe, and, and away you go. But, you know, Dale is, a, again, a well-respected hockey man. He, he seemed to have things headed in the right direction. Um, you know, certain factions of ownership gets involved, and uh, it starts to come apart at the seams. You know, what's funny was, uh, so George McPhee's in a press conference here in Vegas, uh, Drager, I went, and the one question I asked him yeah. was, what did you learn from your time that you would do differently, What uh, from your time in Washington, that you're going to do differently now? And I was really curious. He said, I would talk to the owner more. Like, I would, like you got to manage up. Yeah. You have to manage up now. Well, I'll tell you what. And, and whoever gets the general manager job of the Buffalo Sabres, yeah. you don't think that priority number one for that GM is going to be make sure Kim and Terry Pagula are informed of everything <laughs> that is going on day by day. Because... Say what you want about Tim Murray. I, I quite enjoy being around Tim Murray. He's a funny guy, smart, all of those things. My sense now in, in some of the aftermath is the reason things went as quickly downhill as they did uh, 10 days or so ago is because of a lack of communication between uh, the coaching staff to management and management to ownership with Gula's didn't know half of what was going on, and that was a mistake. Oh. Well, now, they've, now they just fired the general manager of the football team, too. Yes. So yeah. they, they, are, they are busy hiring people left and right, which brings us to Buffalo. And, you know, they said, uh, Mr. Pagula said at the uh, press conference that it looked like or that he wanted to head towards more hockey experience in that position, yet the names that I'm reading are all assistant general managers. Yeah. It's not like there's a whole pile of – you know, experienced GMs. Now, I happen to think there's a, a whole pile of really talented guys that yeah. just haven't had their first opportunity yet. And is, does it seem likely, Dregs, that the Buffalo GM job is going to involve those guys? It Whether sure it seems like that. Jason Bottero yeah. and Tom Fitzgerald and Paul Fenton and yeah, Paul Fenton, um, is, is... Uh, Julian Breezebois, guys like that. Yeah. Yeah, Mike Fuda's already interviewed. Right, Mike Fuda. Uh, yeah, I know Billy Garen, as you mentioned. Uh, I, you know, it, it feels to me like maybe this is Jason Bottrell's job to lose. Um, and and I, as far as I know, they've only gone to one round of interviews here. But he's a guy who's been kind of knocking on that door for quite some time and just hasn't found his way through. Now, you know, the Pagulas may have a completely different view of that based on, on the interviews that they've had. But, you know, there are some experienced guys out there, and it would have been easy for the Pagulas to say, wow, Dean Lombardi's got a great winning record. He's our man with all that experience. Or Don Maloney's still out there. He's our guy. You know, Dave Donis is working with Anaheim. You know, he, yeah. he ran the Toronto Maple Leafs. He ran the Vancouver Canucks. He's our guy. So I, I, I do give them uh, some credit for thinking a bit outside the box. And, and, Ray, you nailed it. I mean, how do these quality assistant general managers get GM experience unless they're hired to be a general <laughs> manager? And, and, look, when you look at hockey operations departments now across the NHL, uh, you know, so many of these are group ran. If you don't have more than two guys capable of, of, of negotiating and making sure that they're fully on top of contract status of players 
throughout their systems, then you're understaffed. You know, most teams have three or four guys capable of doing that. It's not the GM doesn't do that. He may sign off on the end. So sometimes I think that, you know, the experience term is overused when it comes to these positions. I, I off, I've, I've kind of come to this realization. I don't know why it took me so long, but any, you know, when people say we need experience behind the bench or we need experience in the manager's chair, at one time, all of yeah. these guys were first-time guys. Like somebody yeah. hired them the first time. You might be mm-hmm. missing out on the best candidate if you say it has to be an experienced guy. And I and to your point about the Pagulas, I think they would be crazy to only talk to people that had done a GM or had mm-hmm. been in a GM's chair before, because right. the right guy might be somebody else. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what about AGM of Buffalo, Ray Ferraro, Darren oh, Drager? Yeah. What about that? But then I wouldn't I don't have know to work he, with Drake. Well, and, and plus, can you imagine the pay cut he'd have to take? Yeah, wow. yeah. We get that yeah. question, Darren, every single week. We ask, for, we ask for questions, and every single week, people are like, Ray, when are you going to move into management? And Ray gives us the same answer every week, but, but it's just one of those well, I, I would be interested for sure. I'd love it. I think I, the, the crafting and building of a team, to me, is utterly fascinating. And because it's, you know, like Darren and I and – Bob and whoever we're sitting around with, we always play GM as we're sitting there. It's easy, much easier when none of your decisions have the final say to it, number right. one. But number two is I, I find where teams get into problems is they emotionally become tied to their players. Yeah. And I, and I don't think that can matter. Uh, you know, like yeah. the, the best the best run team right now through their championships is the Patriots. And they cut guys a year early rather than a year late. Mm-hmm. And I don't yeah. know that I, – and I, that's where I think, like, loyalty is so admirable, but I just don't know that you can be super loyal in a cap business. No, I don't know if you, you find that, Dregs, or if you, yeah. you talk to teams, if they find, yeah, we gave a guy a deal, yeah, we shouldn't have, but we won with him. Yeah. And... For sure. And you look around the NHL now, and uh, it's not just a trend. It's, it's happening uh, on a case-by-case basis, and, and that's teams who are very cautious of extending their players' contracts beyond 30. You know, if, if you're a 30-year-old player in the NHL, unless you're a, a star or a slash superstar, chances are you're going to run into contract issues moving forward. And, you know, that's just through, through well, it's design, number one, but it's through experience and, and general managers and clubs recognizing that, okay, yeah, we, I want to be loyal to this guy because he's been a good soldier, but, you know, he's, he's 28. I, can I really afford to give him a seven-year or an eight-year contract extension? It's not happening anymore. I think that uh, most clubs now are embracing it the way they've had to. They've adopted and they've changed with the salary cap and they run it as a business. Now, you were out in Edmonton in the first round. Uh, what was that like? It's been a decade since they've been in the playoffs. Yeah, you know, as you'd expect, it was tremendous. You know, the city was, was absolutely electric. And I, I mean everyone. You know, I, I, I tweeted, and I wasn't making fun of this, man. I mean, the tweet didn't come out the way I'd intended. But I, I actually went to a coffee shop uh, to grab a, a coffee. And as I'm walking in, there's this homeless guy sitting outside the coffee shop doing what he does. I mean, he's looking for money. And... Uh, we got chapped, and the reason I started talking to him is because he was wearing this old, stained, ratty, torn-up Edmonton Oilers sweater. <laughs> and so I was like, hey, you know, 
look at you. I said, uh, big Oilers fan? Yep, been a long time. <laughs> and so I ended up buying him a, a hot chocolate, and uh, we had a good chat about the Edmonton Oilers. I was shocked how much he, he knew about the team. So from one extreme to the other, and, and the atmosphere inside that building was just tremendous, but they've been starved a long, long time. You, you, should, you can't put anything nice on Twitter. Dregs, no, right? Like know. You, know, you know, you know that better than anybody. You can't do anything like just nice like that. Well, so. especially me, because <laughs> generally, if I'm trying to be funny or nice on Twitter, there's uh, a pretty significant undercurrent of sarcasm there. <laughs> I don't think uh, people generally get my right. humor. Uh, last question for me before we let you go, Darren Dreger from TSN. Uh, Darren, I cover the sport of Supercross and Motocross for a living, and uh, I guess you'd call me an insider on this small niche sport. Uh, riders signing contracts, riding going, riders going to new teams, uh, things happening behind the scenes. Things that I report on, talk about in these podcasts uh, for my real job. And I got to tell you, in, in, in a, sometimes it gets me pretty depressed because even if you report something that's right, you get heat. Sometimes you're off the mark and, and you get heat. And I mean from the industry, not from people on the fans of the sport. That's whatever. Sometimes it gets a little bit bummed. I get a little bummed out sometimes, Darren, on, you know, just kind of doing my job and trying to report on things and, and inform people because there's just a lot of, uh, I don't know, it just, just people don't want to know, you know, you to know their business or whatever it is. Does that, do you get that a lot? Does sometimes it gets like, I mean, you know, you can't be right all the time. You're right a lot of the time, of course, but does it get to be sometimes a little bit depressing to be like, I don't want to hear about this again. I'm just trying to do my job. Um, you know, a little bit. Yeah, to some degree. Um, but, you know, not unlike you, I, I, we take great pride in being right. Um, and, and for me, uh, I, I, I've always maintained that. And, uh, you know, when you've got a mentor like Bob McKenzie, it's, it's easy to toe that line. Um, but getting it first is what fuels you. That's mm-hmm. adrenaline. That's what gets you, you buzzing when you're working on a, a big story. But as I've aged uh, over time and, and maybe kind of mellowed a little bit, and social media has helped uh, develop you know, that for me as well, in that I, I need to be right now. And if someone has it first, well, so be it. It's fleeting. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. A minute later, we're working on the details, and, and who broke the trade or the signing or the firing and all that kind of gets lost in all of it. But what's changed our world as insiders is absolutely social media. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be a player would get injured in practice and, you know, playing for the Islanders. And if you had a good source for the Islanders, he'd reach out to you. You know, even though the injury happened in the morning, he'd reach out to you in the afternoon. You'd break the news and look like a hero. Mm-hmm. Now all these great beat reporters, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're appreciably getting the attention and the recognition and credit because they do the heavy lifting. So that's impacted our jobs as well. Anything well, else? No, I think, I think we're going to let you go, Drakes, because you have to get prepared for the World Championships in Paris, which I know you haven't started preparing. because, And the reason I know that is because I haven't either. <laughs> yeah. And all I want to know is, is Fipchit still playing this year, Ray? <laughs> oh, he's not. But Hungary's not in. There was our, oh. our favorite player last year was this guy for Hungary, Stipchit. <laughs> and Gord, Gord asked about five people from Hungary, hoping that his name was Stipchits or something. But they yeah. all kept saying, no, no, stip shits. And so <laughs> it makes us giggle so much that to the point, my yeah. seven-year-old, 
He'll be watching the game, and he'll just look up, and he'll go, hey, Dad, you know who could help them? Step shits. He thinks it's hilarious. These are, so why. It's so distracting. These are the TSN yeah. uh, employees, everybody. These are the people behind the scenes. This is what's going on. <laughs> this is what we do. Oh, by the way, one other th- just saw it. We started with a Drager story about him being yeah. a disturber. Here, I'm going to end with one. So Ryan Rashog's doing play-by-play, and he, last year, he was on, he was so like he, he was prepping so hard, he wanted this to go so well. Mm-hmm. He did a great job. But he had all these notes. So he went, he had to go do some interviews. He comes back and Dregs has filled his bag with every extra sheet of paper you possibly could find. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Ryan gets this look on his face like he's just somewhat defeated. No. And he's like, are you guys serious? And, of course, Dregs blames me or whoever happened to be sitting there. He had more paper than a paper plant in his. Uh, his, his well, computer. I'm not made it worse as I shuffled the deck too. So the, oh, the yeah. organization right, that right. he had painstakingly <laughs> gone through now was just in complete disarray. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, hey, Darren, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, hopefully, this is the first. Did you have you done any other podcast? Uh, no, as a matter oh, of fact, there uh, we go. Creating a new mold for me. <laughs> Yeah, see see the way see the way Duffy and Mackenzie are? I see this. Yeah. yeah. You know, Duffy's there with his rubber boots. I know. You know what what is that? I, I still haven't figured it out, but uh to, to, to figure it out would mean I, I care and I don't really. <laughs> that I think we've to the to the point, Drake's to the point. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Uh thank you, Darren. Okay guys, see thank you in you. Paris, Drake's travel safe. You bet. Good stuff. Uh, um, was Drager around Ray when you were playing and breaking news on on your trade to St. Louis and that kind of stuff? No, I think okay. he would have been too young. All right. To, <laughs> you know, I, I I'm pretty sure he would have been. Mackenzie was and, around uh, for sure. <laughs> you know, I don't. I, it's funny. I don't. I recall Darren. Um, he used to work at Sportsnet and he was a host. That's right. Yeah. And so yeah. I didn't. You know, didn't come across him as much as that's you know, true. Would have now. Um, Mackenzie was though. Did you ever? Ha- did you ever? You know, break. I, I never really came. You know, I didn't come across them really. Huh. It was a different. I, I would say it was just a different world. Yeah, yeah, and true. You were playing in the U.S. for, you know, right. But yeah. I mean, like now, you would, um, you know, you would probably have some contact, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and but back then, you just you just didn't. Yeah, they they couldn't break the Crossman for Ferraro trade. Well, they should have because that turned out very good for somebody. Yeah. <laughs> my buddy, my Whaler buddy was so pissed at that. He loved Ferraro. He did not like that trade at all. Well, back your in the Whaler day. buddy was smart. Yeah, he, he did not like it. He, he, he did not like Sly Turgeon. Like he did not like Sly Turgeon, but he loved Ferraro and Deneen and Francis, of course. But Well, the, so. you know what? We, uh, <laughs> I, I know it's hard for people to believe, but the Whale was, uh, we were a good team. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, we were probably pretty close to being very good. But they decided that they were going to recreate the wheel, and yeah. when they did, they, they got a flat tire. <laughs> uh, okay, to wrap up the show, thanks again for listening, everybody. Uh, appreciate it. G- give us a review and uh, download it. Listen uh, on iTunes or Stitcher or any podcatcher out there. Um, Ray, I want to talk a little bit of inside inside hockey media stuff. So ESPN announced a, a lot of cuts, um, about 100 guys, and a lot of them well-known people. And, uh, you know, times are tough and people are cutting the cords and I get that. But, okay, like I've always – we had Bucci Gross on here a while ago and I don't think he liked my question, but I was asking him, 
hey, John, can you go to the people who in charge of the website? And, you know, across the top of the website, they have NFL, MLB, uh, NBA, and you have to go to a drop-down menu to find the NHL uh, section of ESPN.com. And I'm like, can we at least get them listed? I mean, they are – and it, hockey is a big four sport. Let's all acknowledge that. It's not on the level of the other three, but it's there. And it always pissed me off that ESPN would do that, and they wouldn't treat hockey the way I thought it should be treated as far as front-page coverage and all that. And But the good thing, Ray, was when I got to the, the NHL section, ESPN.com, Pierre Lebrun, uh, Scott Burnside were great reporters, and uh, um, they, they were really well-plugged in, and it was good stories and, uh, and everything else. While they cut those two guys, they cut uh, Craig – did they cut Craig Custins too? Or, no. Is he, he's still there. Um, yeah. ESPN, he might be it. Yeah, he might be the last guy. ESPN hockey department is uh, – basically ESPN is saying we're not going to cover the NHL. we got one guy to, to cover uh, hockey for online, and that's really disappointing. It, it is, and, you know, it's uh, – you know, it, it, it's really it, – it's a slap of life, I guess, but – this has been going on in other businesses all over the place, but because we don't know any of these guys or these people, you know, you read, uh, you know, Company X just laid off yeah. 150 people. Mm-hmm. And it's just 150 people. But I know these guys. I've eaten dinner with them. You know, like it's, yeah. it, it, it makes you really uncomfortable that in one swoop that that they're able to make this decision. Now, you know, I, the cord cutting is not a is not a factor that can be dismissed. Yeah. You know, the the ESPN and every other you know, ESPN's the biggest, so everybody likes taking pot shots at ESPN. But everybody else has done the same. They've paid lots of lots of dollars, big dollars, for rights fees, and now it's turning out they don't even really know how to rein in the viewers anymore. Like, how do you get them to pay? Yeah for what we've already paid for. Because as a network, you lay the money out and then you recoup it on the subscription fees and the way that the people watch the game. But right now, that doesn't seem to be possible. So more cuts, more cuts, more cuts, more cuts. And it's really, um, I, I, don't, I don't know where or how it ends, but you've got to put the games on the air because that's what people want to watch. They just, it, it's like... It's like almost anything. Um, nobody wants to pay for what they want. And so yeah. I'll give you an example is that how many stores are out of business now because basically they became the middleman. The store was the middleman yep. between the supplier and the purchaser. And then they, somebody figured out a way, of course, <laughs> to say, well, wait a minute. We could just make it and Amazon will deliver it. And all that middle store stuff yeah. is is gone. And so that's kind of what's happened a little bit with hockey coverage, sports coverage, sports rights fees. And what the, the real danger is, to me, is I could pick up an article by LeBron or um, by an independent writer mm-hmm. and get their thoughts. Now... If you're not careful, the only information you're going to get is going to be through NHL.com, yeah. which is the PR arm of the league. Right. It's almost like if you get your political news only from Fox or only from CNN, and you think 
each of them are telling the absolute <laughs> 100% down the middle truth, then you're an idiot. Yep. And so that's basically what we're coming to in in almost all reporting and it's a it's a shame and I don't know how to you know I certainly don't know how to reverse it. Yeah. I certainly I, don't yeah, know right. how to even to slow it down but I I do for myself. I subscribe to a couple independent um uh, sites that I can get mm-hmm. independent writing. Yeah. Because I want to know what's going on. I don't want to I don't want to read or I want to I want to try to understand what's going around or going on. I don't want to read a PR notice. Yeah, all I mean, the time. I I never go to NHL.com to read anything. If I and if I want stats, I I might I might not even go there. Sometimes I go check stats on NHL.com, I guess. But it's confusing to do it. They kind of did a screw up job when when they redid it. Yeah, it's it's not the it, most it's uh, not, intuitive way to no, find stats. No, um, but. I just, I, it's you know, ESPN. I know the NHL. They were the, the World Cup was on there, but you can't. Um, I don't know how they're going to cover the league with one staff writer, and and that's it. It's a real. If I'm Batman, or, see, to me, it's short sighted, Steve. It's short sighted. Like, you know, we we want the sport to grow. We want it to stay relevant. We want it to or to be relevant. And I don't know that that happens yeah. with less coverage. Yeah. I don't know how it happens. And also, like, LeBron works for TSN, of course. And yeah. So, I mean, I'm thinking his salary is sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000. It's a freelance gig. Or maybe, maybe, maybe no, I'm, maybe I have I'm crazy. no idea. But no, I don't either. But I'm saying, like, what is that in the grand scheme of ESPN? Like, what is that, you know? To, to, to well, have, it's, a lot le- it's a lot less than the CEOs make. And, you know. <laughs> And that's for sure. If I'm Gary Bettman, I mean, I you, you know you are partners with ESPN in a sense for this World Cup thing. I'm calling as being like, really, really, thanks. I mean, obviously, well, if I'm the NHL. Seriously, I'm I am I, I am wondering. Yes. About how this is going to affect our coverage. <laughs> yep. And how do I how do I make sure that we get the coverage that we have to have? Yep. And if it's you know if it's opening up independent sites. Yeah, you know, helping independent sites get going, then that's that might be it too. Like there's yeah. a there's a site in in a few cities, Chicago, Cleveland, Toronto. Yep. It's called the Athletic, and it's really good. And the reason it's really good is because these writers who have all come from, in most <laughs> cases, from major publications that don't that aren't major publications anymore, um, they've they've hooked on here and they write. And they write what they think and what they feel and mm-hmm. what they see. And in a lot of cases, it's really great, different stuff. Now, I follow the one from Toronto because, yeah. of course, I'm, I'm basically following the lease. But um, I read through the Chicago ones because of the Blackhawks. And, but if I want baseball stuff, it's, yeah. it's there. Like the Cubs yeah. and the White Sox are there. It's, it's heavy-centric on the city that it's based in. Yeah. And it's and I really like the model, and I hope it works. I do too. I'm just, I'm a subscriber. I think it's five bucks a month. Yeah, 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 yeah. six ninety nine. Okay, yeah. So um, might be different in the U S. down here, but anyways, it's yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah, go check Probably. it out. Probably, you know, our dollar up here is <laughs> while we can sing the national anthem. I saw that. That's awesome. That was really which cool. Was amazing because if it was the other way oh, around, I was just going to make that joke. Right? There would be <laughs> seventeen thousand people humming. Oh, Canada, because they wouldn't know the words. Absolutely. Uh, all right, let's move on a little bit. We've got some questions from some fans. Real quick, though, Ray, a third-round pick for the chance to talk to Scott Darling before he hits UFA, a guy who 
has never hit UFA with any kind of momentum like he has now. And you're going to give him a. Th- you're going to the Canes are going to give you a third to just talk to. I mean, if I'm Scott well, Darling, Carolina's got a. Carolina's got. I believe they had eleven picks in this draft. Oh, okay, all right. So I believe they have three third rounders. Okay. So I don't know which of the third rounders it is, but it does but, make more sense, right? Okay. Yeah, and it also. I don't think Carolina made that deal without feeling they could get Darling signed. Oh, I see what you're saying here. They need yeah. a number one goalie. Yep. Darling's primed to have an opportunity to be that. Now, whether he is or isn't, I, I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think anybody knows. But Carolina, had they had better goaltending last year in the first half, yeah. three quarters of the year, they would have been in the playoffs. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, they have some thirds. It, it seemed a high price to me just because if I'm Scott Darling, but you're, what you're saying is behind the scenes there are talks going on. Oh, know, I think yeah, there, there yeah. would be for sure. Right. It would be crazy if there wasn't. But if you're Darling, now the only thing that means is you're a Carolina Hurricane, but you're unrestricted July 1st. Yeah. I think if it doesn't I'm, mean anything different to him. Yeah, if I'm Scott Darling. I'm going back to Chicago anyway yeah. So because there's no cap room there. So Yeah. And if I'm Scott Darling, I get a chance for the first. I mean, he was in the ECHL four years ago or whatever. Oh, he would he would you know? be thrilled with the opportunity. For yes, sure. yes. I'm going to July one because I've never played better, and I'm well. Unless what's Carolina, there. what if Carolina offers him four years at sixteen point five million? Uh, I don't know. I mean, wouldn't else? Yeah, I don't know. No, I mean, who's going to offer him more? There's goalies all over the place. Yeah. All right. Well, once again, you're showing me that you know more about hockey than I do. Uh, if, I, if, I, if somebody's offering me $16 million or I can take a shot mm-hmm. on July 1st for $18 million, for, yeah, yeah, for, I'm taking the six. Right, yeah, for, for, for the certainty of having six, 16, yeah. right, yeah. Um, all right, let's get some questions from uh, some listeners. And thanks again, everybody. Uh, info at paulpocky.com um, or hit us up on Twitter at paulpocky. Don't hit Ray up because he gets so many replies. It'll be buried by the time we do shows. So don't don't even bother hitting just Ray up because he won't do it. Uh, all right, it's better through the other way. <laughs> yes, this is from Matthew. Uh, thanks for the podcast, guys. Always great inside information regarding the greatest game. All right, uh, always I always hear about players on the road going for dinner and partying, but I have two related questions for Ray regarding coaches. What do they do on the road, and do they ever hang with players when on the road or even at home? That's a good question. Do the, do the coaches ever end up at the same bars as the players? Well, first of all, I don't know what information he has that the players are out uh, eating and partying. Mm-hmm. Uh, players get into a city a day before a game. Absolutely, everybody goes to dinner to wherever they want to go. Mm-hmm. You're on your own. But I got news for you. It ain't what you think. Once dinner's over, it's over. I think uh, Jeff O'Neill on Overdrive uh, talks about doing this back in his day, and maybe that's where, where Matthew's getting well, that from. <laughs> maybe he maybe he did. <laughs> you know, I don't know, yeah. and maybe and certainly it was more prevalent when I played. Yeah, but not today. There's nobody that's stupid enough to go out and and put themselves in a position. Well, there is people, but there's not many <laughs> that would be stupid enough to put themselves in a position that somebody could take a picture of them with their phone while they're out somewhere where they shouldn't be. Right. Guys, don't. It, it doesn't happen. Okay. As for coaches and players, um, the general rule is whoever's there first owns the owns the spot. Really? Is that really sort yeah. of the unwritten rule? Yeah, like if you walk in and the coaches are there, um, you'd probably 
you might have a beer and then you'd leave. Or if you're in a restaurant, I mean, you're at a different table. It yeah. doesn't really matter. You're never eating together. Yeah. You're never going out together. That would never happen. Okay, so that never happens. You never go for dinner. Never. never. Okay. Uh, unless there's a team meal or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, never. but no. the, the captains wouldn't go out with the coach for dinner. No. 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 Oh, wow. Grab a, if they wanted to have a meeting, they'd grab a coffee before practice. Oh, okay. All right. Wow. I didn't know that. We just learned something. Um. All right, and uh, so here's some Twitter questions from from some listeners, and we 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 have we've dropped off on the uh, random NHLer, uh, which we need to bring back. A couple of people said that on Twitter because um, you've done a good job, Ray, of me just throwing this at you, and you you having some memory of the, playing against the guy or with the guy or some story. So let's bring that back from uh, uh, a listener who says, Ray, what do you remember of your time playing with German hockey legend Yui Krupp on the Islanders? Uh, okay, so Kruppy, big giant guy. Yeah. Um, came um, uh, from Buffalo in the Pat LaFontaine trade. And so all of a sudden in New York, we have this, this guy's really good, <laughs> who was raw, who was six foot six. Yeah. And he became a really important part of our team. Now, Krupe was a, was a big dog racer, like it, sled dog racer. I heard this, right. Okay, so I always used to bug him that I can't imagine these dogs turn around and see you, you great big butter standing on the back of the sled and they're like we got to tow this guy yeah like seriously <laughs> so he had a a big pickup or something or other truck like yeah. that and it had these dog windows in the back like in the bed what do you mean so, what do you mean dog windows well the, the, he'd have to take the dogs when he would take them from the kennel oh. to wherever he was going to run them, they had sleds oh, so, with wheels on them. So, so he had like a dog hotel in the bed of his truck? Yeah, windows? I mean, they stayed, like, so if he was taking them from the kennel to wherever they went on Long Island to, <laughs> to, to run these things. And so he would have to load them up. So he'd come to practice and he'd have the dog truck. I mean, the dogs weren't in it, but <laughs> right. the thing was enormous. And then he would get out of there and, uh-huh. you know, and... So, Krupe, um I, I would say he didn't have the highest pain threshold. Okay. <laughs> and so, one game he was playing, and he had hurt his arm, and then he left the game. The next day we're at practice, and he's shooting one-timers. And uh, Al Arbor says to me, Jesus, you know, in his voice, yeah. Jesus Christ, he must have flown to Lourdes last night, <laughs> which is where the magical healing fell. Okay, <laughs> I didn't know what that was. But. <laughs> and so... I go, well, maybe he did. And he goes, well, I guess he's back. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, He was a little bit like, was he, or was he a little bit like Chara Light? Not as good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not putting him in that category. But a big guy who, you know, grew into being able to play much better than what oh, he was when he started. He was very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nowhere. I mean, Chara was mean. Yeah, yeah. Is mean. Right? Like, that is, yeah. that is for certain. Like, he is... He's not a guy to be, you know, to be trifled with. Um, Krupe was not like that at all. Like he's not, yeah. Um, yeah. was not a, he, a mean player. Um, he's well known for scoring the overtime winner, Avalanche yeah. Florida. Yep. Against Florida, yeah, yep. you bet. Shot uh, from the right point. Uh, but, uh, I mean, the, the similarity would be, of course, his size. Yeah. Yeah, when he... Stepped in the game, there wasn't we weren't as big as a race maybe back then as a human race because he was huge, you know, and now six oh, six. Oh, he was is, enormous, and right. So you know, at the time, he, uh, you know, like he 
he skated pretty well. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he could he could control portions of the play for sure, but he was really raw. Um, you know, as far as the amount of, um, you know, he grew up playing hockey in Germany. Yeah. It's not the same, and it wasn't the same then as it is now. Uh, from Tim Canadian, what can the league do to speed up video review on coaches' challenge? No, it's really easy. They got a ten million dollar clock on the, that hangs above the rink. Put two minutes on it, mm-hmm. start it, and when the horn goes, that's it. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean it is. You're right. If you yeah, can't yeah. tell it, in, if you can't tell in two minutes, yep. Then now you're just staring at stuff. <laughs> that's that's how I view it. Like I'm looking at these offside challenges and the, you know goalie interference. Yep. You know, like we're on the air. And I've got to make an evaluation right away. Mm-hmm. I see the, and, and I'm not saying this is what the league should do, but in part it is. You make an evaluation the first time you see it. And then when I see the replay two or three times, oftentimes your initial view is the right one. And rarely, I'd say less than 30%, do I change my mind after I see the review. Yeah. Now, they're sitting there, and they're staring at it minute after minute after minute. I think it's crazy. And I'm serious about the clock. Yeah. They got timers up there. Turn the timer on, and when the horn goes, you got to take your headset off and make a call. And, and, and in my opinion, the problem's solved. This, this offside review stuff, oh, totally it's... unintended circumstances that go along with it, I don't think they've got a clue what to do with it now because while the linesmen want to get it right, yep. 100% they do, they're sitting there staring at it, and they can't tell. Yep, that's crazy to me. Yeah, it, it all goes. It all started with that Duchesne goal in the regular season that was so blatantly offside. Everyone threw their hands up, and I okay, like one bad, super bad call, and now we have this kind of mess that yeah, goes Steve, on. So yeah. I would equate that that there's lots of turnovers in a game that are terrible. Yeah, you don't banish the guy no. from the league. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So no, that's you're right. basically yeah. what's been done here. The Duchesne goal was 25 feet offside. Yeah. So let's review every offside. Oh, I know. It's like, yeah. It, and now, I, I hate it. And now you're looking at skates it. in the air, and where are they on the air? In the air? Uh, oh, man. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, last question from Randy Pepler. Ray, who is the player who used to chirp you the most and that you hated playing against? Because we all know you, you, your nickname was Seagull, and you're a, you're a world-class chirper your whole career. So was there well, a the guy, guy I hated playing against the most, I don't know if he necessarily chirped me the most, or, mm-hmm. but the guy I hated the most was Chris Chelios. <laughs> Just always. Like, by by yeah. far. He yeah. was dirty and chippy and <laughs> really good. Yeah. I mean, if he was just dirty and chippy, it wouldn't have mattered. Right. But the fact was he was their best defenseman in, on, on almost any team he played on. You know, until he got much mm-hmm. older. And then, you know, I just, I hated playing against him. Couldn't stand it. How do you get along with him now if you see him? Uh, I don't see him very okay. much. Uh, say hi. Yeah. Cordial. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we're, uh. Man, we're 50 years old. What does it matter anymore? Oh, but I know. There's but some still. guys that I think still, right? you know, I run across that I can tell they're probably not particularly pleased to to see me and I'm like oh, seriously guys yeah, I know right well hey I bef- when you weren't able to do these pods and I was doing some with older guys I was surprised at some of the grudges that some of these dudes still had <laughs> like it was yeah kinda, kinda I don't early. get it I don't I don't I don't feel that at all to like <clears throat> guys I didn't I, I'm uncomfortable around certain guys <laughs> but um you know I, 
if there was a conversation to be had, I wouldn't have a problem with it. <laughs> so funny. You're right. It goes back. It's yeah. We're 50 count. Let, let, let it go. Yeah, let it go. Um, all right, Ray. Well, hey, thanks. Uh, thanks for doing this. Thanks to Darren Drager for coming on. Next time we talk, we'll, uh, you'll be in Paris. I think it's nine hours ahead of where I am, so we got to figure something out. Yeah, uh, we'll figure it out. Between the two of us, we'll figure out the wrong thing, and then we'll get it done. Yeah, exactly. But uh, thanks for your time, Ray. It was great. Great stuff. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Yeah, thanks very much, everybody. Enjoy, enjoy your comments and let us know what you like and what you'd like to see added or changed, if you would. And um, appreciate you listening and marking a rating down for us. And um, these are fun to do. So we'll talk to you next week. I'll be in Paris. All right. Thanks, Ray. Later, Steve.